So hello and welcome to the next episode of my podcast Gina's Excellent Encounters. Today episode number 14 and as you can hear it will be quite a different episode today because I th- I'm not going to talk to one person about something they love but instead I'm in Brussels and I'm on FOSDEM which is this uh, free and open source software uh, conference uh, which is once a year and uh, I'm here the third time in Brussels today is uh, the day before the conference it's Friday and I just arrived and I'm trying to get to the city where all my colleagues from work are Uh, yeah I will try to interview them I will try to interview people at FOSDEM about their projects and stuff like this let's see how it turns out No, I, I was just outside, yeah, and we then could I, tell. And now I, <coughs> I got your uh, like Location. coordinates, so I went there, and it was here. <laughs> nice. But, but this, so, so you went exactly to the coordinates. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was like so I arrived uh, at Boston, I think it's called, where all my colleagues are, and we are drinking alcohol. And I'm here with Johan, uh, who will have a, a nice talk tomorrow at Fostum. Hi, Johan. Hi. So, what will you be talking about tomorrow? So, I will be talking about what we've done, but with a slightly different spin. I, I usually talk about automotive, but now I'm going to talk about what we do in automotive. And I'm going to ask people how they can use it outside of automotive. These are our problems. What is your problem, so to speak? Where can we share a solution? Mm, I see, but about so it's a it's a cute talk, but uh, or how does it? Yeah, it's about the cute auto suit, uh, which we've been working on a couple of years. But it's I mean the plan is to show that it's not automotive specific. It's uh, it's generic software. It just happens to be pitched towards automotive for commercial reasons. Yeah, I had rumors that we want to broaden the audience basically with the application manager and stuff. Yeah, and also, I mean, for Pilux as well. It doesn't make any sense to be in a really small niche when we can attract more developers. So, Yeah, I agree, I agree. So Pilux is uh, our uh, Yocto uh, platform, basically. Uh, it's, I mean, we, we have it for automotive, but yeah, as you say, you could use it for, for all the embedded devices, I guess. Yeah, exactly, and it's just a blueprint. And I mean, wh- one of the examples I'm using is that Yola are using the, the QML Live tool. On the, on the handsets, so it's it's not automotive software really. It's just useful in automotive. Okay, yeah, QML Life is a tool to to live code, QML code basically, isn't it? 
Yeah, for the for the early prototyping stages, so like a reloader for for HTML, uh, but it has some cool features like server client, so you can reload on a different computer than the one you're developing on. Ah, nice. So you could work on your target basically directly. Exactly, and a developer can, or a designer can do it. You can just redraw pictures, and every time you save the picture, you see it on the right screen. So, oh, so even for the assets. Exactly, all the files in the project are synced. So how, how? Oh, so so you mount basically the target, or how do you do it? I think it's some sort of rsync-like protocol. But you just point at your product directory and say that this is my target, and and then you run a QML live server on the target, and it just makes sure to sync the project and and restart it when it's needed. Ah, cool. Okay, but I, uh, will you show something tomorrow also? Only slides. <laughs> okay. Time. Okay. Okay. So how how long will you talk me? Half an hour. Okay, cool. Okay, thanks a lot. Thank you. So now we are on our way to uh, the second bar for tonight. And I'm interviewing another colleague, Victor. Hi, Victor. Hi. <laughs> so what are you looking forward to? Uh, which talks do you want to go to tomorrow? Uh, there are some talks about Python that uh, how the journey has been the last 10 years and so on and uh, also I'm looking forward to some really cool talks in the graphics track. Oh, okay. Uh, what will it be about in the graphics track? So, I actually don't really know, but I, I have another colleague okay. who told me that are, they, they are really cool, so I trust him yeah. and I just take along. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's nice. Okay, thanks. <laughs> And now I'm with Gordon. What are you looking forward to tomorrow? Hi, Richard. Honestly, I have to say that I have. <laughs> so I have to honestly say that I haven't seen the schedule so far. Uh, but last year was my first time at FOSDEM, and I honestly have to say it really opened my eyes because I remember the talks from the automotive part from Lukash that were about uh, like basically making an ACLB compliant Linux okay. distribution, which just seemed kind of cool to me. And right now I'm working in the automotive business, but I used to work in IoT, so there's a lot of talks about it. And I would like to know more about technologies like, like with web and so on, which I haven't experimented before. So that's what I'm looking forward to. Plus, I know there's going to be cool talks for people that are like tinkering with hardware. Oh, and yeah. that might be quite interesting because I have not done any open source hardware development, but I spoke to some people that are into that. And I really want to see them because I think they're going to do like quite cool stuff there. Okay, cool. Thanks. Okay, we arrived at the second bar and we're having the drinking. <laughs> but I'm sitting here with Anders. Uh, and uh, so, what are you looking forward to tomorrow? Uh, oh, uh, I don't know, I'm not much for planning, but what I really liked last year was uh, they had a session about uh, bringing. Uh, bringing uh, the community together and uh, this was uh, I uh, listened to a thing about uh, it was about air pollution and how to measure air pollution in cities oh, I see I, I really like that one and it was about you can you can take like an uh, you can build your own air measurement gadget and you put it on your bicycle and then you when you travel to work you measure the air quality in the city and because currently 
you uh, you only measure air locally on specific places in the city and you never measure it on the way to work so they had an idea of oh, let's bring the community together and everyone can measure air everywhere in the city and we know how good it is but would they uh, then create the hardware or would you do the hardware yourself uh, they had a hardware kit you could buy with a raspberry pi ah, i see okay yeah so i'm I haven't really looked at the schedule, but I'm hoping to find something similar. I'm into that kind of stuff. Ah, interesting. Okay, thank you. <laughs> so, this was fun. Uh, we went to a third bar and had some more beers and now I'm back at my Airbnb and yeah, let's see what tomorrow brings. Good night. Good morning. It's the first day of Fostam today, and I just uh, had a nice shower, and I'm on my way to uh, to the university. Yesterday, I gave my power bank with my USB Type C cable, the only one I have, to a friend. So he could load his phone, so <laughs> today my battery will be short-lived if I can't find a, a cable. But otherwise, it uh, looks like a cloudy day today. And uh, yeah, let's see if we can find someone to talk to once I arrive. It's 9, 10, 10 over 9 now. And I'm on my way. Good morning. Welcome to Fazdem. I hope you guys had a fun time last night. It's good to see so many people have recovered from the festivities. Hopefully I'll have a seat to sit down when I'm done with my talk. Um, I was told before I came that this was the worst possible time slot to give a talk at Boston first day of Saturday. But uh, I'm happy to be here. I'm glad that Luke has organized the graphics dev room again this year and that he made time for me to uh, give a short presentation. Um, I'm really happy to see you here because it's a, a room of 800 people. I think that we are 600 people just in this room. And thank you for Victor. So Victor is for you. Hi, hi everybody. My talk is about Python 3 10 years later. My name is Victor Skinner. I'm a C Python for developer since 2010. So I'm here at the stand of the Libre Space Foundation 
with me is Manolis Hi. from Liber Space Foundation. Okay, so what what's this project about? Uh, Satnox project is about uh, receiving low Earth orbit uh, satellite signals uh, with uh, our tracker, which uh, it's a swarm of uh, main ground stations connected uh, through the internet in order to maximize the reception of uh, low Earth satellite uh, signals. Okay, so so I'm standing here by by a, a big uh, thing with an antenna on. What is that? This is our tracker. It, uh, it is uh, fully open hardware and open software. And uh, it's based mostly on 3D printed parts and uh, parts that you can easily find uh, out there. So consumer parts. Yeah, yeah, yeah consumer parts and uh, standard sizes and uh, things to, to find very easy and cheap. Ah, okay, okay. And uh, so what is it supposed to, to do in the end? Uh, each of uh, this uh, ground station is connected uh, in the network through internet, of course, and uh, they communicate with our network and our database that uh, and commands them to get and track to track a satellite and to receive its signal using SDR devices. Uh, what is SDR? SDR is software-defined radios. Ah, I see. Okay, I see. Uh, and uh, what what are those satellites? What data are they collecting? Uh, right now, we collect mostly data from uh, CubeSats, uh, that, the tele their telemetry, uh, their measurements, and uh, we upload them to our uh, network, so everyone can go and uh, grab the data or uh, we visualize them. And I see. So not only the hardware and the software is uh, free. Available by all your data. Yeah, 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 exactly. Oh, that's awesome. Ah, so is it like, uh, what kind of data would they collect exactly? Okay, currently we have telemetry from uh, from beacons transmitted from CubeSats. We have uh, uh, images from uh, meteorolo meteorological uh, satellites like NOAA. Okay. Okay, and uh, APRS. APRS beacons. Okay, cool, cool. Interesting. Okay, thank you a lot. Thank you very much. And here I'm uh, at the booth of with MicroPython, a Python for microcontrollers. And with me is... Christine, hi. Hi, hi. Uh, so I myself, uh, I have at home, uh, I have those ESP8266, uh, I guess. And those I... I uh, uh, code with uh, with like this uh, Arduino IDE, but I guess something like that would be possible with your project also. Yes, there's also a MicroPython port for the ESP8266. So if you like to try it out, just uh, download the firmware from the MA on the Git page, okay. and you can uh, flash it onto your ESP8266. So you can try MicroPython on your board. You already have at home, yeah. Ah, nice. But uh, so so what part of Python is then implemented? It's a rewritten Python optimized to run on microcontrollers. So MicroPython is an implementation for microcontrollers. It works like a low-level operating system kind of for the microcontroller. So it's easy to easier to use. Oh, so, so there's no operating system like Linux under it. It's, it just runs bare metal. Exactly. This is the right word. It runs bare metal. 
Ah, okay. And then, uh, so it, is it a? I guess it's a runtime, or do you compile your Python code on on the developer machine, or how does it work? It's interpreted. Okay. So it's so you load the real Python code onto your device, and then it's interpreted on the device. I see. Okay. Uh, so how how old is the project? Well, it started all with an idea in 2013, and. Damien George, the creator of MicroPython, decided to run a Kickstarter. And there were a lot of people interested in MicroPython. So he decided to found a company which is behind and operating behind MicroPython. And now he is selling the hardware to fund the open source project. So what kind of hardware are you developing or selling and so on? There's the MicroPython Pi board which is um, an STM32F405-based um, micro, like little development board. Yeah. Oh, nice. Okay. So, so, so if, what, who uses this developer, development board normally? Well, there are a lot of educators using it in, for teaching in the universities or even at schools. Um, there are high profession, uh, like professional users who, do, who use it in, in industry. They, and there are also like makers all around the world. Like for example, yourself who has an ESP eighty two sixty six already running, could try now with MicroPython. Yeah. Yeah, I will definitely. Okay, thanks a lot. Yeah, thank you too. So hi, uh, I'm back here and <laughs> with Miss Volker. We've uh, met like twelve years ago, I guess, <laughs> in the self HTML community in Germany. Hi. Hi. So, so how do you like it here until now? Yeah, so it's my first FOSDEM. Ah. So I've only been to two or three talks and so far to the to some keynotes um, from the open source in initiative <laughs> was quite was quite good. Okay. I really enjoyed that one. Um, so what did they talk about? Um, well, they talk about open source and the future of it in the in the third decade because they do it for twenty years now and now it's the. Yeah. Third decade, and it's interesting because they seem to come closer to the Free Software Foundation, and like it's, mm-hmm. I guess he said a few things that Richard Stallman wouldn't agree on, but it's <laughs> yeah. <made> interesting. <laughs> yeah, okay, cool, <laughs> interesting. So, what are you looking? For? Did you already bookmark in the app what you will be looking at? Uh, yes, a few things. So, I'm more in the distributed space and database space, and a uh, few things there, but um, yeah. Just go with the flow, basically. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> okay, thanks a lot. No worries. <laughs> Hi, uh, so I'm standing here uh, because I watched your talk about Home Assistant and, and stuff, and I'm using Home Assistant myself to, to do the lights at home. Uh, so I have a couple of questions. So why did you... Uh, was it necessary to, to do the whole uh, hardware part also, or was it something you really wanted to do? Well... First of all, thank you very much for coming to the talk. Uh, I didn't expect so many people. Yeah, and it was I, really many people. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, I was a little bit shocked to see so, so many people. So the thing is that it's a hobby project. And uh, as a hobby project, I wanted to do something that combines open source hardware with free and open source software. Okay. And uh, the thing is that when I looked on the market for other open source hardware solutions, I didn't fi- find something that's exactly what I needed, so I decided let's do it, and it was a good practice for my skills in uh, KiCad. Okay, yeah. So that's how I did it, and uh, it's still work in progress because I'm a software engineer, and doing hardware is something completely new for me. Yeah. I've studied for this a little bit in the university, but that's been a long, long time ago, 
and uh, now I'm really having a lot of fun and enjoying it and um, I'll be happy if other people can join because it's an open source hardware since it, everything is available in GitHub so anyone is uh, welcome to, to contribute, to, to, ch uh, to check out the project, to modify it, to study it. So, so I, I have never uh, been doing any open hardware stuff, so basically I would go to GitHub, download your KiCat or uh, stuff, and then modify it, and, but then I would need to go to someone uh, who would develop this for me, or how did... Uh, so, so this is how it works. Uh, the first thing is that you need to, to download the software, for example, KiCat, KiCat is not the only free and open source software for designing PCBs. Uh, this is the, the software that I'm using. And you have to keep in mind that this is some kind of a religion. <laughs> so different hardware engineers prefer different software. Okay. KiCat is my thing for the moment. I like it. Is it basically like, like VI versus Emacs? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you're comparing it to other, okay. to other platforms. So after doing that, uh, the process is that uh, KiCad is having really good documentation with getting started guidelines. Okay. So it's uh, good to go through the Hello World guidelines for making your first PCB. And after that, you can check out my project. You can do modifications. And the next step is to go to a factory that makes the real printed circuit boards. That's the big difference between open source software and open source hardware. Because in open source software, in most of the cases, you just run your source code to make sure that your changes are okay. But with hardware, it's not like that. You need, you need to manufacture a printed circuit board. Uh, there are certain companies such as uh, OSH Park, uh, which are based in the States, and they have really good things for people like us, enthusiasts, that want to just make a prototype. Okay, so, Alternatively, so, you can have a look at a factory in your local hometown, uh, local area. Yeah. But how... Because you showed a picture with only six boards, is that the minimal amount? So like one platinum? Okay, so, so it, it depends. So the, the process is that you put the printed circuit boards on a panel. And uh, there are some restrictions from the factories, how many, which, which is the minimum size. So if you have a really huge board, you can just do one board. Uh, companies like OSH Park, they provide uh, services where you can print just three prototypes. But in general, the process is that you make a panel for your board which uh, depends on the size of the board and uh, the factory specifications for minimal size. Okay. In my case, it's, it makes six boards of this type. <laughs> okay, cool. Are you a contributor to Home Assistant? No, unfortunately, I'm just a user for the moment. Okay. Uh, I'm doing integration stuff with a couple of uh, components for Home Assistant. Okay. I'm using uh, the Enqtity uh, JSON Lite component, mm -hmm. and I'm also using the emulated Hue Bridge uh, to control uh, my thing with Alexa. Okay, and I, uh, you showed uh, ESP8266 in the beginning, but in the end you used a Raspberry Pi, so... Well, the thing with the ESP8266 is still work in progress. Uh, it's almost working, but not uh, in a final state. I need to make another hardware modification to, to make sure that the surface mount technology for assembly is done properly, the footprints of the components placed there, and after that it will be ready for, uh, for showing a demo with it. Ah, okay, okay. Oh, okay, thank you very much. Thank you very much, and uh, it was a pleasure chatting with you. Yeah, thanks. So, um, thank you for coming. Uh, Dimitri and Sander, I hope I pronounced that right, uh, are going to talk about RPC. So, uh, round of applause for RPC, one, two, three.
Thank you for the introduction. So, so much for uh, the show today. So, uh, welcome to our talk, uh, IPC in one, two, three. I'm Dimitri, uh, this is Sander, and uh, so we are students, uh, researchers from Ghent University in Belgium, um, so very far from here from Brussels, and we work on a uh, topic, our topic is next generation internet, and uh, if you saw the presentation this morning, uh, we work on European projects. So hi, I'm standing here at the Open Build Service uh, uh, desk from op uh, OpenSUSE, I guess. <laughs> it's OpenSUSE desk, yeah, actually. Okay, open yeah, so. it's an OpenSUSE desk, actually. Yes. Okay, so I always wondered what, uh, who is the main user of uh, of the build services? What uh, which services? Uh, of, of the build service. Well, mostly, of course, SUSE, but we have several projects uh, using. OBS, but so yeah, I, I don't really know exactly what the, uh, what you built. I, is it for, uh, for packages? It's it's building packages basically. Ah, packages for distributions. For different kind of distributions, yeah. You can, you can build um, RPNs and DEBs basically. And for done for different. So so what I basically do is that I uh, I guess if if I have a, a program like. Uh, I have a, a RSS feed reader which I want to package or is it for me or is it more for like Debian and, and them? It's for everyone. You can also package just one, one package um, or you can package, I don't know. But um, I guess my question is more, is it for, for the maintainers of the distributions or is it for the for the developers? Like actually, actually, every user can use it. Okay. It makes sense. I mean, if you have um, one project, one one program, whatsoever, and you need to to build uh, to build packages for several kind of distributions, several kind of architectures, OBS is to use. Ah, I see. I see. Uh, and uh, so, is it free to use for everyone or? <laughs> it is an OpenSUSE project and it's free to use for everyone, of course. So, so it runs on your servers? Sorry? It runs on your servers? Yeah, it runs in an OpenSUSE project servers, yes. Okay, cool. Yeah, I think I need to check it out a little bit more. <laughs> okay, th thanks a lot. You're welcome, thank you. So now I am at the first first them volunteer desk and it says want to volunteer ask me <laughs> so uh, so what what do volunteers do here the volunteers are basically the heart and soul of FOSDEM. You can't really run the conference without them. Throughout uh, Friday to Sunday, the whole weekend, uh, we have people doing build-up for the conference, uh, which is laying down network cables, power, tables, tablecloths, all sorts of tasks to um, make the conference, um, to make the setup for the conference. Uh, then during the conference, there's all sorts of other tasks. Uh, we run a cloakroom where visitors can leave their bags and coats during the event and then can then get them back uh, safely. Uh, we run info desks where we take donations because uh, uh, a lot of the conference money comes from donations. Um, we, they answer questions and do lots of other stuff for the info desks. That's probably one of the most fun jobs. Uh, volunteers also do heralding, which is um, moderating rooms. 
so they will introduce the speaker, uh, make sure the room does not get too full, and generally take care of people in the room, help with questions, things like that. Um, yeah, there's also um, uh, what else? Yeah, they do. Uh, this, yeah, they do a lot of tasks. Um, there is cleanup, uh, which is quite magical to see. So. Uh, Basically, the whole conference ends at 6 p.m. on Sunday, and we have around three hours uh, to tear everything down and clean everything out, leaving all the buildings uh, for the ULB University exactly as we found them. Oh, shit, that's so, not a lot of time. So how many uh, volunteers are working on, on this conference? So... All together throughout the conference, I think about a hundred uh, different people. Uh, That's quite a lot. Tasks. Yeah, but it's a lot to do also. <laughs> it is, yeah. And there is also, well, oh, this so much other stuff. There's video operation as well. So you operate cameras um, or video team where you do the technical parts, like the back end of network and video. Um, yeah, there's a lot to do. And the website and stuff like this, is it also done by, by volunteers or is it some company? Uh, no, no, so actually staff at FOSDEM are just year-round volunteers. None of us get paid for anything. Yeah, I see, I see. So, so even, even like hosting the videos uh, and uh, the website and everything is done by volunteers? Yes, everything is done by volunteers. So yeah, the recording, everything from the hand holding the camera to the hand-hitting accept talk for video review. It's all done by volunteers. All infrastructure, all software that goes into it, all set up by volunteers. I see, interesting. And everything open source, I guess? <laughs> yeah, 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 I believe like all software that we use is open source, yeah. Awesome, awesome, awesome. <laughs> okay, thanks a lot. Yeah, yeah, you're welcome. I didn't introduce myself, but uh, it's Emmanuel. I'm the volunteer coordinator, basically. Oh, okay, That's responsible. Okay. So. Thanks. But they are organizing several projects. We can actually neglect that. They ultra resolution of and that's it for the first day it's six o'clock in the evening and i'm leaving the first term or at least the university going back to my airbnb place it was really fun and interesting I met a couple of people I knew, so it's quite a social event also, not only like for looking at new cool stuff, but even meeting people who you haven't met for a long time. Somehow I know, apparently I know a lot of people in the open source world, <laughs> so it was fun to meet them. Uh, yeah, now I'm going back to the Airbnb place, rest a little bit, and then at 8 we are going for dinner with my colleagues, with the colleagues from work, actually. So, yeah, here then.
Okay, so <laughs> we are in between bars now. And <laughs> Jesus. And I'm here with Skurshat, who is one of my colleagues from work. And I wanted to ask him how, how it went and what he did today, what he was listening to and so on. So hi, Kushan. Yeah, hi. So I was basically in embedded room all the day. Okay. So I didn't went between the rooms or other stuff because, I mean, it was so crowded. And yeah, that's true. Yeah. I just wanted to spare a seat, yeah. even though I didn't like the talks. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, the so, talks So which nice. one didn't you like? Yeah, um, I mean, I cannot tell it, right? I mean, if I, if I don't like, I, it's insignificant, so I don't remember it actually. <laughs> okay, interesting. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, basically, mostly, most of them are. Oh wait a minute, uh, am I recording? Yeah, I am. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, mo most most of talks were uh, quite good, inform okay. informative, even though. Uh, sometimes I feel like I wasn't interested. In it. I then we found something could be interested interested in our project or something like that. For instance, uh, okay, yeah, like yeah. I mean, the one after this lunchtime we went, uh, we were actually waiting for this uh, arm uh -huh. related. I mean, yeah, multitasking. Thingy. I, I mean, just just before that, okay. there was one uh, other topic like uh, related with firmware upgrades on okay. remote ah. products or something like that. It okay. was kind of interesting. Okay, yeah, yeah. I think we might be use it. Mm -hmm. There was like couple of tools he described. Was it about updating or what was it? Uh, I mean. Updating was one topic in it. Ah, okay, I mean, it okay. wasn't only about updating. <laughs> yeah, they didn't talk it about it in the conference, but okay. yeah, <laughs> we can talk about it later. <laughs> so, are you looking to something uh, forward to something tomorrow? Uh, yeah, honestly, I didn't check it that badly. Okay. I just I just looked the embedded room, so probably <laughs> okay. probably I'm gonna stick with it. So you're mostly here for the beers, I guess. Yeah, yeah, beers and friends. <laughs> it's always nice yeah, exactly. to mess up with my carb diet. <laughs> and I come here, you know. Yeah, that's good. Eating a lot, drinking a lot, and swearing that, that not drinking anymore and drinking again. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Okay, thanks a lot. Yeah, thank you, man. <laughs> Interesting. So, we had a nice meal today, and now we went to the Florong bar or something where we always go on some Saturdays evenings after first time to get a last absinthe before we go home and I'm on my way home uh, see you tomorrow
Good morning. It's Sunday morning. I just woke up and preparing myself to go back to the university here in Brussels for the last day of first term. I fucked up a little bit because uh, my flight is going quite early at one o'clock already. Yeah, but let's see what we can do today. See you there. So I'm here at the booth of the Free Software Foundation, Europe. Europe. <laughs> okay, uh, uh, let's say I don't know anything about uh, what what actually actually you're doing. So, uh, what is the difference between you and, for example, the Apache Foundation? Well, we don't um, develop any software or pay anyone to develop software. We um, are a community organization that supports free software in a political and um, social, like, um, community way with with the public. Like, informing the public is our main goal. Ah, okay. So, so how do you do this? We have different campaigns. For example, on February 14th, we have I Love Free Software Day, where people can express their love for a certain free software they use. And that's really popular. There's other campaigns such as Public Money, Public Code, where it's about um, government procurement of software, um, where we feel it's paid for by taxpayers. So the software should also belong to the taxpayers, so it should be free software in the end. And so we do campaigns like that to inform the public, inform governments, and try to get social change this way. Ah, I see. So, do you also like go to to the politicians and talk to them, or how does it work? Yeah, sure. Sometimes um, uh, there's a committee, and they invite someone from a community organization like us, and then we talk to politicians. But also on an individual level, we have local groups that do a lot of important work. Um, for example, in Munich, there's a local group, and they they will talk to the city government there about. Um, improving the situation for free software which is changing right now and um, so there's like especially on the local level there's a lot of different volunteers working in different areas and doing a lot of good work in respect to talking to politicians ah very cool so how how big is uh, how many people are working with you together in in the free software foundation in europe it's hard to say because there's there's people who sign up with us as supporters so they, they give us money usually, and then there's a lot of volunteers. So the number in the community is, is hard to gauge. I'm, I'm not sure how many people we are, have. There's people on mailing lists, some people translate stuff. So it's, and, and people drop in and out because of different time commitments. So it's, it's really hard. Like it's somewhere in the thousands, but I can't tell you if it's closer to like 10,000 or what it is. I, I, I really don't. No. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, but do you ha also have like full-time employees who do do the work for 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 uh, yeah, for the whole time? Yeah. There's there's full-time employees in Berlin um, that organize certain core parts of the organization. For example, there's a legal coordinator there. Our president is a paid position. So um, there's a community manager, a program manager. So so like the the integral positions that you really need staffed so you have someone available at any time during the day that's that's what we have paid staff for okay thanks a lot yeah sure you're welcome okay i'm here at the booth of the apache software foundation uh hi hi uh 
Hi, my name's Merle Kranz. I'm uh, here with the Apache Software Foundation. Hello, my name's Sharon Foger. I'm also part of the Apache Software Foundation. I'm the VP for uh, Community Development. Uh, hi. Uh, so, Mike, I don't really know exactly what you guys are doing, so I'm, I'm just asking dumb questions, perhaps. <laughs> but so how are you, for example, different to... Uh, to the Free Software Foundation, because you are also a software foundation and you are about free software also, so how how is it different? Well, the Apache Software Foundation is more business-friendly than the Free Software Foundation. The Apache Software Foundation um, manages and maintains the Apache license, which is a license, um, if your software is licensed with the Apache license, that means that businesses can take that software, they can change it, and they don't have to contribute that back to the community. And what that means is people are more willing to use it. It's not, it's not a viral license. Companies are more willing to use it, and it creates a space in which companies can contribute resources and collaborate together on projects that they can, that they can use. And at the same time, the stuff that they contribute back into the open source project is available to anybody who wants to use it, and not just those companies. So the Apache Software Foundation thinks that the worst thing that can happen to software is that it's not used. Whereas the Free Software Foundation thinks that the worst thing that can happen to software is that it's not free. Ah, okay, so GPL versus uh, like BSD or something like this. So how is how is it Apache license different to to the BSD license? So the, I think my understanding is that the the uh, Apache software license is actually compatible with BSD. So um, yeah. So why would they use Apache instead of BSD? You're welcome to use either license. Um, in, there are projects at Apache that use libraries that are BSD licensed. Um, so uh, you have to look at the licenses yourself and, and decide. Um, the Apache Software Foundation is not out there to evangelize for one of these or the others. There are approaches that there, there are times when each of these licenses is a better approach than the Apache license as well. Okay, so I see a lot of logos here. What's that about? Also. <laughs> So when people think of Apache, usually they think about the web, the web server. Yeah. So what we're here to, to uh, talk to people about is the fact that Apache have something like you know, 350 sort of software uh, initiatives uh, active at the moment. So it's more. So, so uh, one second. So how? So, so what you what you're doing is not only like the license and promoting it, uh, like promoting free software, or but also having. A lot of uh, projects. Uh, what, are, what are you doing with the project? So one of the things that are about Apache is around um, having building uh, communities, building collaborative communities. So um, I think the original project from uh, Apache was the, the web server, and we learned a lot of things about uh, uh, dealing with and collaborating with communities when that project uh, was created. And we're, and what we do is we want to attract new projects. To work in the same way, so Apache way, collaborative. Uh, we have a, um, a, a saying which is community over code, and so what we're doing is focusing on building great communities and happy and collaborative communities create good code. I see. So I heard something about some incub Apache incubator, but I don't quite know what that is. <laughs> so the incubator is usually the first place that projects go when they come into Apache. Um, my project actually entered Apache via the incubator. I work on Apache Finract. They uh, entered the Apache via the incubator about a year ago. So first the project goes into the incubator. There's a proposal made. The members of the incubator, which is, is itself a project, 
on the members of the incubator, um, look at the proposal, decide if they want to mentor it, um, and then hopefully, in most cases actually, accept the project into the incubator. And once the project has gone through the process of releasing software, um, working in a community on open mailing lists, and um, reporting to the Apache board about all of these activities and self-evaluating. Um, eventually the project reaches a level of maturity that uh, makes it eligible to become a top-level project. The project FINREC that I'm working on became a top-level project last April. Okay, cool. Congratulations. <laughs> so, so why would I want to, to be part of the... So, let's say I have a small uh, project, I have a feed reader or something like that. Is that something the Apache Foundation is interested in or is it more bigger pro, uh, projects which are already somehow mature? Size doesn't matter. Maturity doesn't matter either. There are some projects that enter the Apache Software Foundation in a pretty immature state. Um, community does matter. So some projects enter the incubator with the intention of building a community. Some enter the incubator already having a community. But you can't exit the incubator without having a community. Uh, I see. Okay. Thanks a lot. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Have a nice day. So I'm here at the booth of a company, I guess, called Turis, and they have uh, something they call a router. Turis Omnia. So the company is Turis Omnia. The project is called Turis Omnia, or our router is called Turis Omnia. The project is just called Turis. Ah, I see. And who are you? <laughs> uh, my name is Nora. Okay, hi. <laughs> so, so, so it says it's more than just a router. Could you explain that? Yeah, it's a big device. It has quite powerful, powerful hardware. You can um, use it to control lots of things inside your home or office. Um, you can basically lose it, use it to do anything. It's open uh, software, so it's based on uh, OpenWRT, which means that you can add your own packages. Uh, we also do automatic updates. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay, so, so OpenWRT is uh, a different operating system than Linux or something? No, it's... Um, <laughs> yeah, no problem. It's not. <laughs> okay, okay. So, so, so if it, because it has like USB and stuff like this, uh, so, so you use it for home? Could you use it for home automation and stuff like this? Yeah, sure. We also have cooperation with the uh, Big Clown, so they do different uh, prefer, okay. prefer area. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, you can, uh, we actually have a dongle which you can plug into your USB uh, port and to control the uh, big clown gadgets, for example. So, so the big difference for, to, for example, like Linksys or what it's called, those big, bigger brands, is that it's more powerful and you can uh, plug in a, a lot of more stuff, I guess. Uh, yeah, OpenVRT is an operating system for routers in general. And... Um, yeah. It's you can you can do lots of stuff with it. You can, for example, build, build your own uh, network attached storage. So 
using the USB, you can plug in a you know hard drive and store your stuff on it. We also have cooperation with Nextcloud, which is here. So uh, there's a plug-in for Nextcloud, which makes it really easy to use the router for your. Uh, so, so you would use it uh, to store data, uh, yeah. not on the internet, but you, at home, but yeah. still be yeah. accessible from the. Exactly, you can have a safe place to store your data from your home. Ah, that's really nice. Yeah. <laughs> okay, thanks a lot. Yeah, I hope I <laughs> did a good job at answering your questions. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe talk to my more uh, technically experienced colleague if you want to know some technical details. It's okay, I will. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, I can send you a link then. Yeah. Uh, so let's see, I'm here uh, with uh, another person from the same booth. <laughs> I'm Vojta. Hi. Uh, are you guys from, from the Czech Republic? Yes. Okay, cool. We are from company, uh, the uh, CZNIC, which uh, runs a national regi domain registry. Oh, okay. And this, this, uh, this product is from our laboratories. We focus on, on uh, this open source and open hardware, hard router. Interesting. Why? <laughs> Uh, it started five years ago when uh, our, the persons from our company tried to do something for, for a safer internet and we made a, a different model, the first, uh, the first model of the tourist router. It was uh, given away for one crown for, to lease for okay. three years and uh, we made a license agreement with the users and we collect anonymized data. Okay. And uh, to make uh, analy some analysis and mm, <coughs> sorry uh, and some outputs from from the firewall logs or other behavior on the network. Okay. And so, what is the difference between your project yes. and my Linksys uh, router, for example? Linksys router. Yeah. It's absolutely different. This is uh, open hardware and open software. Uh, we have. But because you can you can run open WRT yes. on uh, yes we have uh, for example first table this is a really powerful board okay. you have a dual core ARMv7 uh, CPU two gigabytes of RAM dual band Wi-Fi with three three times three MIMO AC included uh, also PCI Express and MSATA slots so you can connect for example uh, SSD directly into the router. Uh, the perf uh, dedicated switch chip, which is of course in a router. Ah, I see. Okay, cool, cool, Maybe. interesting. This is totally it, different. It would make sense without the switch chip. Yeah, yeah. But so, are there GPA also something like that on the? Uh, yes, in a, we made some uh, new series recently, which lacks GPIO because uh, we don't have enough parts okay. on the board. But uh, if you if you buy an older one. Uh, uh, from the ser for the older series, uh, it is there is uh, about eight, I think, GPIO included. Okay, so, uh, so could you talk a little bit about OpenWRT? So how how would I put software on it? Yes. How does it work? Uh, we have our own distribution called Tourist OS, but okay. we are based on OpenWRT. Uh, if you know something about OpenWRT, in the last years there were a big fork which calls Elite, and now they merge together back. So we are switching on a new upstream version okay. called Elite before, but we are <coughs> we run the bit older software right now, but we're preparing the, the big release. Uh, but would, would I be able to run... We have some new features uh, which are not compatible from the open, uh, with OpenWRT. 
uh, the core feature is updater. We we can uh, release uh, automatic. You can release packages, uh, security fixes, new features. Uh, we do it in daily and weekly basis. Oh, okay, cool. And uh, by default, there the automatic updates are on. So your router will receive security fixes as soon as possible. For example, in January there will big issue, or there is still big issue with meltdown and Spectre. So once it uh, appears in a kernel upstream, uh, we will be able to deploy it in two days after the release candidates tested and. So what uh, is it? Some some over-the-air update uh, software which you self-developed, or are you using something? Yes, it's called Updater. It's uh, developed by uh, two guys in our company. Uh, it's open-sourced. We have uh, our instance of GitLab where you can find each open so uh, every every software which runs on the router. Uh, so what is the GitLab? Uh, GitHub? GitHub? GitLab? GitLab. GitLab. Okay. Uh, so what? Where, where can I find it? Because that's interesting. Yes, it's uh, gitlab.labs.nick.cz. Uh, you will be able to Google it if you if you look for. Uh, also, we have a GitHub mirror. So okay. if you look for the uh, for the repositories at GitHub uh, by the tourists is the keyword. Uh, uh, there would be information to uh, to get the, the original repositories. Okay. We had we run GitHub to to make available uh, the forking the repositories and allow any, any, anyone to contribute to our software. Okay, cool. Uh, one more question about the software. Then, uh, is it special software for WRT or is it some? Kind of a Linux uh, derivative, uh, or what is it? There's no such specialties. Uh, the difference is in uh, packaging. Okay. Uh, the software we run, for example, host APD for Wi-Fi uh, access point. Okay. Uh, just the regular Linux software you can find in your distribution. I see. So it, I could run Python on it and yes, write my course. own software. Yeah, of course. We uh, our uh, large part of our software is written in Python. Python 2 and Python 3, uh, yeah. both of them, because in the start, OpenWRT run uh, Python 2, so we want to uh, stay compatible, yeah. but we dropped the compatibilities a year ago, <laughs> okay, okay. and uh, new software is written in Python 3. You can run your scripts uh, in Python, Bash, Shell, or or you can build your own software in C, C++, okay. or whatever you want. Yeah. There's some problem with Go because we don't have enough libraries. Okay, but okay. if anyone is into Go and uh, provider libraries and uh, packa packaging and building the libraries, we would uh, we, we would appreciate it. Absolutely, uh, because I, I think it's interesting because I'm run, running at home like my router and then a Raspberry Pi or something else mm -hmm. to do home home automation. It would be nice to have everything on one device, which is uh, which is powerful enough, but still can do all the things uh, like which I basically do, basically running Python. So, mm -hmm. so that's that's why I'm asking. And with GPIOs done. Uh, Really, really nice. Yes, it's an interesting project. Yes, you can. Uh, as I said, you can uh, plug in uh, the hard drive or SSD drive, uh, make it uh, like a NAS device. Mm. You, yeah, uh, I heard you have uh, like a plugin for Nextcloud, which then have, uh, yes, 
yeah. uh, like a regular package. Yeah. Okay. We also have uh, our uh, our own uh, simplified web interface for basic users. You can set up the network and install packages quite easy. Okay. Cool. Uh, and as I said, we also develop new features. So, for example, in last few months, uh, we deploy. Uh, OpenVPN plugin for our web interface, where you can set up an OpenVPN server in few clicks, okay. and also with generate uh, to generate uh, certificates for clients, and you will you will set up the client and server in in few minutes. Oh, nice, nice. That sounds really awesome. Thanks a lot. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks. interesting stuff happens. Also, equally interesting stuff happens offline, but. People care in production stuff that runs in life. <clears throat> Cupid's copy and write overlays, as most would know, um, offers a way to refer a base image that has, say, for example, a Fedora operating system, and then you can create a, a an overlay based on that base image where this overlay refers to that base image and you can do all kinds of things, destructive things in this overlay and then if you screw up something, you can discard it and go back to the base overlay um, sorry, base image <coughs> so in this kind of setup, the base image can be of any format but the overlays are always QCOP2 so there's different kinds of terminology I'll use throughout in the talk um, not one kind. The, the, the thing is called base images and overlays. When I say overlay, it is always the image that is created based on the first image in a disk image backing chain. So we'll see what that. So when you have a, a simple backing chain like this, the first um, when our camera tries to read a cluster, it reads from the existing overlay. <laughs> yeah. So that's basically it for me. I just got my bags from the cloakroom and I'm getting an Uber <laughs> to the to the airport.